is the Lamb forevermore. It's the Lamb who's done it all. He's over all, almighty, all powerful. We'll sing it again. Would you like to take the younger children out? I will praise the Lamb.
If one were to uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 1, you'd find there a strange thing. In chapter 1, you remember we were looking And in Hebrews chapter 1, God, who in sundry times and divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he said, who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels, said he at any time, sit on my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation? And so I want to stop there. One might wonder why the writer to the Hebrews is so careful in talking about angels. Have you ever wondered why he talked about angels and he went into descriptions of angels and said that Jesus was so much better than the angels? Very important to understand very often misunderstood. You'll remember that the writer to the Hebrews, who, for the sake of uh, your conscience, will call the writer to the Hebrews, though I'm sure it was Paul, uh, but to the writer to the Hebrews, was 
bringing forth an argument, first that Christ was greater than the angels, then greater than Moses, then greater than Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood. And the reason he starts with angels is found in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7. You'll find if you turn to Acts, chapter 7, In Acts 7, you'll find in verse 51, you stiff-necked, verse 51, this is Stephen speaking, by the Holy Ghost. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have, you, have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the Just One, of whom ye have, now, have been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. The old covenant was given by angelic ministry. And therefore, the Jews, quite rightly, looked on the angels as God's highest created beings. Their scriptures taught that the angels were the highest beings in creation. That is why you will find that in the ark, um, in the Holy of Holies, they had cherubims, beautiful cherubims, sewn into the curtains that hung around in the holy place. They had covering cherubims over the place where the presence of God was, over the top of the ark. They had pictures of cherubims on the ceilings. They had angelic forces there all the time. And they knew that those nearest to God were the angelic beings. And all the dispensation of old was given by angels and at the hand of angels. And therefore... The Jews looked on all those that came and the greatest powers that were to be the ministry of angels. It's quite a thing when you think that the whole of the old order came from angels. Now, if you think that's just one scripture, I'll take you back in the good book and we can look at it just this morning for a bit. To open your eyes to see. Psalm 68. Verse 
you find there Psalm 68, they understood this in verse 17. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them. Thousands, 20,000 and thousands of angels make up the chariots of God. And they understood that, and that's how they considered it. You'll find also in Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Angels, an angelic ministry, bought the old covenant to the people of God. And in order for the Jews to accept Christ as the Messiah, and in order that to them to believe it, they had a problem. Their biggest problem was, and you remember they said it when Christ was on earth, they said, we know whence thou art. When the Messiah comes, no man shall know whence he is. And they said, you're human. This is Joseph's son. This is born of Mary. And they had a big problem. Because they could not cope with the revelation that God had become incarnate. They saw the dispensation of old was ministered to them by angels and angelic beings. And they had a terrible problem in accepting the humanity of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ not only was the Son of God, which is eternal, but also was the Son of Man, that is God incarnate in human flesh. And that was where the Jewish problem was. So the writer to the Hebrews was dealing with the problem of showing how much greater Jesus Christ was than the angels. He had to start with that which the Jews considered the most superior beings, angels. And so you'll find his argument is about the angels, first of all, and Christ's superiority to the angels. That's why Hebrews starts in such a funny way. I suppose some of you have wondered why Paul bothered to write about it because for you maybe you weren't ever considering that the angels were greater than anyone else but they could not see how a human being could be greater than an angel. They could not see how someone who was incarnate came in physical form could be greater than the angelic powers. And that was a vital thing to a Jew. 
we'll look at it. Angels were God's most exalted creatures. Angels weren't made out of the dust of the earth. They are spirit. Angels are as a flaming fire, ministering spirits. And it's interesting, in Deuteronomy, they they minister, it says, to the ancient of days. I think that's Deuteronomy 8. And so, the angels were that which the Jews would always look on as the greatest power on earth. And you'll find... um, Let's just give you a few examples. In Malachi chapter 3. Malachi And here's their problem for the Jews. Strange problem. Behold, chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall come suddenly to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like full of soap. He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old and as in the former years. They were looking for a Christ to come, who was going to come as a mighty messenger, and no one was going to be able to stand at the day of his coming. And that was prophesied. And their whole view of Jesus Christ was totally different. The view of what the Redeemer should be like is totally different for a Jew as to us. The concept of him being born in a manger, the concept of him coming in human form was foreign to them. The concept of him becoming incarnate was totally foreign. They didn't understand it. And therefore the writer to the Hebrews goes a long way to explain things. Now they rested on scriptures like Malachi. And they would look at Christ and they would say, well, how can this be the Redeemer? When he comes, no man shall stand at his coming. That's why they wanted him to come and deliver them from the Roman bondage. That's why they saw the heavenly kingdom that was coming as an earthly kingdom. And what they were really set on was the view that Christ was going to come and totally deliver from all their bondages. They didn't understand 
what was really going to happen. And you can find this if you look on in um, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus 3. You remember the first time in verse 2, the first time Moses was called, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. It was an angel. And Moses saw things via an angel. The call was God's word spoken through an angel. And so they looked on the old covenant as an angelic ministration. And what they could not understand was how a man could be greater than angels. You will find also if you look on in Genesis 16. Genesis 16. Verse 7, you remember of Hagar, she ran away and the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou? And the angel once again sent her back. You'll find also in uh, Genesis 19, Verse, um, Genesis 19, verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom and even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house. Two angels came. And Lot was delivered by the angels. You remember that they dragged him out of the city. And um, it's interesting that in um, chapter 19, verse 13, you will find who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Who did you think it was? It tells you in verse 13... For we will destroy this place. The angels were sent as destroying angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. When it rained fire and brimstone, that was angelic ministry. The angels said, we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. God sent angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And those two angels that came and took Lot out of the city were the very angels that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. They're the ones 
who rain down fire and brimstone. Angels are mighty powerful beings. Very powerful. How the Jews all knew the scriptures. They knew the part that the angelic ministry played in the old covenant. They knew what they did. Numbers 20. Numbers 20. Verse 16. And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and hath brought us forth out of Egypt. Deliverance came via an angel. And you'll find when they ran from Egypt, the angel went between them. And an angel protected one and a half million people from the, Israel, um, from the Egyptians. The angel of the Lord. Angelic ministry is a mighty ministry. And the Jews knew all about angelic ministry. They had experienced it. The scriptures taught of angelic ministry. And therefore they had a big problem. They knew how mighty the angels were. How great they were. What power they had. And they had a great problem in seeing the Messiah as a man was a big problem to them. They had a big problem when they saw his name was Jesus. And he was a man. The son of man. Begotten of God. But somehow their whole idea of power was set on angelic ministry. The old covenant was brought in by the ministration of angels and they had a terrible problem. And so the writer to Hebrews is spending the first part of his time explaining how Christ was greater than angels. That was the first hurdle to get over with a Jew. That a man could be God-man. Both God and Son of Man. And you'll find that Jesus Christ in Matthew is often called the Son of Man as well as the Son of God. And the scripture refers to the Son of Man because he was very God and yet man. Now I want to make it clear that Jesus Christ when he came to earth and became incarnate became the Son of Man and the Son of Man did not exist in the sense of in being incarnate, God incarnate, until Mary brought forth the man-child. Up to that point, Christ had not become incarnate in human flesh. And his mediatorial power and ministry is all to do with the Son of Man, who is the Son of God. But the Son of God was eternal and is eternal. The Son of Man came in time and lived and rose again into eternal life. And that's important to understand. Christ suffered 
as a man, the son of man, holy, undefiled, separate from sinners, and yet as man, though he were God. And that is a great mystery. The Jews had a big problem. They knew about angels. But how could the very God of creation become man? How could he be conceived by a virgin? How could he come forth and have such great power? That was their problem. How could he? They looked for the Messiah who was going to come with thousands of angels. They looked for the Messiah who was going to come in great glory out of the heavens. They looked for the wrong thing. He came in a way they didn't expect. And that's why they had such problems. You'll find in two kings... In 2 Kings 6, you remember the story of Elisha, and in verse 15, oh, let's take verse. Verse 13, and he said, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servants, servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. What an amazing statement of Elisha. Now Elisha was a man of the spirit. And then Elisha prayed, verse 17, and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And then Elisha prayed again. And said, smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. The angels did it. Now the Jews knew all about angelic ministry. They believed in it. And their problem was... This Christ of God that's come. How can he be greater than angels? 
And it was a great dispute they had among themselves. And so Paul, or the writer to the Hebrews, when he wrote this epistle, what he was first establishing was Christ's supremacy over the angelic ministry. It's an amazing thing, but one of the hardest things for us to do is to understand it from someone else's point of view. We always look at things from our point of view. Imagine they had been there and seen Jesus walking on earth. They'd seen he was a man. I've often wondered why it was that Jesus Christ actually stilled the storm. Well, I'll tell you why. Because the winds and the waves are under the control of angels. And God wanted the creation to know that the Jesus that came and walked on earth had the power to command angels. You will find that the winds are often talked of. Uh, the word in the Hebrew for angels, spirits, is wind. And God caused Christ to stand up in the midst of a terrible storm and just calm it like that. He showed his power so that in that day when men questioned, he could say he's greater than the angels. Also, Jesus Christ performed miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And that showed forth his identity as the true Messiah. It was essential for the Jews to see miracle power at work. Because they knew of the deliverance out of Egypt. They knew the miracles that had been done. And suddenly, to be confronted with just a man caused them a big problem. They had to know that this man, had all power given to him. And so, Jesus Christ, during his earthly life, did tremendous miracles. He fed 5,000, plus the women and children. He did wonderful miracles. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. All sorts of things he did that no angel had ever done. Mighty Christ. He stilled the winds. He stilled the waves. He stilled the storm. He did miracle after miracle to establish who he was, that none would be left in doubt that this is the Christ. When they came to take him by violence in the garden, you remember he, he stood up and they said, uh, he said, here am I. And they fell back as dead. The guards. And he surrendered himself. They couldn't have taken him. He said, look, I can call 20 legions of angels. Just like that. And angels have total power. Angels wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Angels protected the children of Israel. Angels caused the waters to go back. Angels have done miracle after miracle. Angels are the highest created being in God's creation. There's no greater being than a cherubim in the spirit realm. The nearest being to God. The most beautiful being. And the serpent, that wicked one who walked in Eden, lifted up his heart and sought to take God's throne. And therefore he was cast forth with one third of the host of heaven. Angels are mighty powers. And what Paul had to establish in the writing, the epistle to the Hebrews, that the Jesus Christ of God, the one who became incarnate, was greater than all the angels. His power surpassed the power of the angels. His name was a name which was above every angel. He was establishing Christ's supremacy over the angelic beings. And that was important because every Jew looked on angelic ministry as the supreme power under God. And therefore, for anyone to accept Jesus as the Messiah, they had to understand that he was greater than the angels. Interesting, isn't it? Did you know that? Hmm? It's obvious really, isn't it? Well, if you know it is. That's why he spent that time. I, I used to read that first chapter and I wondered why God was making such a thing about angels. I mean, you know, what's the purpose in it? Why is he saying all this? I mean, it doesn't seem to bear relevance. But it would if you were a Jew and the whole dispensation you'd lived under was angelic. And then you'd have a problem. Imagine Elisha. They knew about Elisha. They knew how the angels came and smote a whole army with blindness. They knew the power of one angel or two to destroy utterly and annihilate Sodom and Gomorrah. And the angels are ministering spirits. Do you know angels bring judgment? Angels are part of that which carries out the judgment of God. If you don't believe me, you'll have to accept what Jesus says. Turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Okay, have you got Matthew 28? Right, keep your thumb there and turn to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, I beg your pardon, I wanted to go to Matthew 13 first.
And Matthew 13, verse 41. And I want you to notice what Jesus says here. It's very specific. And this is important. The first words. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. He didn't say the Son of God. The Son of Man. Who is the Son of God. But the incarnate, the one who has human body, who's risen from the dead. And this is the blasphemy of Jehovah's Witnesses. They claim that Jesus Christ in bodily form never rose from the dead. They say his spirit rose, but God disposed of his body. That is not true. Jesus Christ in heaven sits as the incarnate son of man. His body rolls from the grave. And he sits in glory with his body. His incarnate body did not see corruption. It's in heaven. And that's wonderful. I know that. And the Son of Man, the mediator... The one who was born of the Virgin Mary. Though the God in him, the, the, the God that he is, is always and was eternal. The incarnate, the becoming incarnate, and the word becoming flesh which dwelt among us happened in time. But don't think that he became a son then. He always was the son of God. He become the son of man then. Before that he couldn't be called the son of man because he hadn't been born of a virgin. He hadn't taken human flesh and human form. God he always was and always is. And the incarnate son of God rose from the dead. And his body's up there in glory. And the son of man shall send forth his angels. See, Jesus was saying, look, the Son of Man, <laughs> he's over the angels. That didn't appeal to any Jew. How can a man command angels? Well, there's one man who can. Jesus Christ, the perfect, holy and he sent forth the angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them that do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Judgment and the dealings of God are going to be done by the angels. People are going to be cast into hell by the angels. The things that offend in God's kingdom are going to be gathered out by the angels. It's an angelic ministry. Angels. Mighty and powerful. Now they're sent to minister to the sons of God. Thank God for that. They're ministering sent spirit sent forth to minister unto us. That's wonderful, isn't it? Jesus is over them. He's the all-powerful one. We need to understand that. The other thing that we'll notice in Hebrews, if you just go back there, 
Uh, you'll notice in Hebrews, uh, we were, you did keep your finger in Matthew 28, didn't you? So we'll look there just as you were going to save you breaking your hand up. Um, in Matthew 28, I forgot that. But uh, if you find a finger stuck in the Bible somewhere, it should be there. Okay, and you'll find in verse 5 of Matthew 28, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not. Now why should he say that? Because in verse 3, or let's take verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Now when an angel comes around. Right from heaven. It caused an earthquake. The keepers shook and were as dead men. And his face was as lightning. I mean, it was a pretty awful sight for them. I mean, awful in the sense of fearful. Mighty angels. Jesus is risen. He came to tell them. All the angels are wonderful beings. God created them. They are that which is round the throne of God. Never on it. You'll find in Revelation 21 they're talked of as the angels round the throne of God. And you'll find that Jesus Christ was twice and only twice referred to as the Son. God the Father spoke at his baptism. Do you remember in John the Baptist? This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And you remember at the Mount of Transfiguration, God the Father came again and he spoke and said, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. Do you remember those two instances in his life? Now that is why the writer to the epistle uh, quotes it um, in verse 5. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. He never called an angel a son. And so Paul was establishing that Christ had a greater relationship with God and a greater name than the angels. You'll find that in verse 4, being so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance attained a more excellent name than they. What an excellent name to be called the Son of God. Hmm? None of the angels were called a son. None of the angels could say, I was begotten of God. They could say, I was created. God created me. In all eternity, God created me, an angel. But they could not say I was begotten of God. And they could not say God called me his son. That alone was the honor of Jesus Christ. A more excellent name. A name in the Jewish way was always synonymous with nature. Name and nature always went together. And they knew that. That's why naming someone was so important 
to a Jew. His name is Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. The wonderful thing is that Jesus we worship is over all the angels. He is more powerful than every angel. Angels could destroy cities. Angels could strike a host of enemy blind in a second. An angel could encamp around the children of Israel. Just one angel. One angel could keep all the hosts of Pharaoh at bay. Just one angel. Well, glory to God. And all the angels are sent to minister unto the sons of men. Those who are true heirs of salvation. What have we got to worry about? If one angel can deal with an army, if one angel can go or two angels and wipe out cities like Sodom and Gomorrah in a moment, rain down fire and brimstone upon them. Just look at verse 14 of chapter 1. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation? They're sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation. Not that I pray to an angel. I don't. Let me make it plain. I'm not saying that we should start worshipping angels. That is an error that some have fallen into. I mean, Willie Branham, who used to go around ministering in Pentecostal circles, used to say to people, if you can't believe in Jesus, believe in my angel. And the angelic ministry is part of, you can move in power and giftings with angelic ministry without being in God. Angels have tremendous power. In fact, nothing can withstand an angel. Think of Job. When the old serpent came up and God said, you can touch his possessions, you can touch this, you can touch that. Do you remember how the house collapsed with his family in it? Great wind. Angels. You remember how terrible things happened? Angels cause that. But oh, we have angels who are sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation. But the wonderful thing of all is Jesus Christ has a greater name, a greater power than all the angels. He is above all. He sent his angels to minister unto the sons of light. Those who truly believe on him. Those angels are there to work on our behalf. To minister to us. When you pray, what happens? Angelic hosts are released. You'll see that in Daniel. If you read Daniel, how when he started to fast and pray and afflict his soul, how God sent an angel straight away. You'll find that an angel came from the highest heaven down to Daniel the moment he started to pray. And he appeared from the highest heaven. 
Angels can be invisible or visible. An angel can manifest himself visible to you or he can be invisible. An angel is totally supreme in power apart from God. He can only do that which God permits him to do. But he has power that cannot be resisted unless God gives you the strength. You'll find that Jacob wrestled with an angel. Tremendous strength Jacob had to fight an angel who could rain fire and brimstone on a city and wipe it out in a second. And all that was seen was the smoke going up by the one who looked back. But then had a salty end. Terrible thing. Angels. Great powers. But hallelujah. There might be the hosts of hell, one third of heaven sent down to destroy there might be the prince of the power of the air out to capture us. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is over all. And the hosts of light are sent forth, those ministering spirits, to send forth to minister to the heirs of salvation. And they're working on our behalf. You've got a guardian angel. That guardian angel is an angel of light. Your angel always appears before God, day and night. You have a body terrestrial. You have a body celestial. And that's a mystery. You'll find you've got both, if you did but know. Scripture tells you so. It's no great revelation. But oh, the wonder of it. Our Jesus is risen from the dead. The Son of Man sitteth at the right hand of the Father. And I want to tell you, the flesh and a bone that he walked this earth with is up in glory, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the Son of Man ever liveth to make intercession for you and for I. And he's over all the angels. And all the angels have to worship him. And adore him and bow to him. What he says they must do. Isn't that wonderful? Well aren't you pleased that there's no great power that can get you? Huh? Aren't you pleased that God is overall. The devil's powerful. Oh yes. He can wipe out a whole family just like that. God can just remove the fence and you could be in problems. But thanks be to God. He won't. He is here to save. Jesus Christ has come to bring salvation. He's come to save us from our sins. He's come to save us from the prince of the power of the air. He's come to redeem us. 
And the writer of the Hebrews was saying to all the Jewish people, don't you know, Jesus Christ is a greater name, a greater power, a greater position than every angel. He's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. The angels around the throne, they might make up God's chariot, but they never sit on his throne. One tried that. The choice cherubim and he was cast out forever. Only Christ has that place. The Son of Man is ascended up on high. That's how I know I shall be saved. I shall go to be with him for he ever liveth to make intercession for me. This flesh and blood will inherit eternal life. Won't perish. For Christ is risen. And my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. He's greater than all the angels. They're merely ministering spirits. Do you know in that day you're going to judge the angels? In Christ, you have a superior position and a better name than the angels. They look on you with wonder. When you're saved, they look on with wonder, something they can never know. They always were obedient. They look on you with wonder. You're begotten of God by the word of God. They look on you with wonder and amazement. Oh, they can destroy things. They can do the master's bidding. They can go here and go there in a second. They've got more power than you'll ever have. But they aren't begotten of God. They aren't the beloved of God. They aren't going to be in the bride of Christ. That they look on with wonder. Jesus has a name that's above the angels. A more excellent name. This is my beloved son. He's begotten of me, said God. He's mine. He ascended up into heaven. Sitteth on the right hand of God till all his enemies have made his footstool. None of the angels had that privilege. Only Jesus. Jesus is over all. His power is over all. His might is over all. You don't need to fear man. Why God could send an angel and smite a whole host blind in a second. He could keep back the forces of Pharaoh just with one angel. Just one. Wipe out a city. Two cities. Just two angels. Everything destroyed in a moment. And they're to minister to the sons of men. The heirs of salvation. But Jesus, 
how glorious Jesus is over all. That's why he did the miracles. That's why he opened the eyes of one born blind who had never seen. That's why he stilled the winds and the waves. That's why he showed forth his power that you might know that there is one who's supreme, who's conquered death. That's why he called Lazarus out of the tomb, one that was dead, to show he was and he's God. No angel could do that. Only the Son of Man. He's the Almighty, the All-Powerful One. His power is over all. That's what the writer of the Hebrews was saying. All oh, the dispensation that Moses received was fine, but it was by an angel. But in these last days, he's spoken unto us by his Son. The great, wonderful Son of Man, Son of God, the creator of the whole universe, is speaking. Creative words of power that give life and light. His power is over all. Have you put your trust in Him? Your hope in Him? Your confidence in Him? All opposition he'll deal with in his way, in his time. He's got power to smite them blind. He's got power to destroy them in a second. He's got power to lay at naught everything. Why? He can roll up the heavens as a scroll. He can finish everything in a moment. When the time comes, he will. Greater than the angels. His power is over all. The writers of the Hebrews were concerned with one thing. Letting all know that the Christ of God was superior to the angels. To every spirit power. Jesus the son of man is over all. Shall we stand and sing it? His power is over all.
Father, thank you for sending thy Son. Thank you that is the mighty Christ, Son of Man, the Son of God, the all-powerful creator of heaven and earth. Thank you that we know he's risen from the dead. He sitteth on the right hand of the Father on high, high above all, far above all, the mighty God. Lord, we adore thee. We magnify thy name. Our hearts believe that thou art risen. Thou art the risen Christ. Thou art living in glory. Thou art over the angels. Thou art the all-powerful, almighty one. Our hearts rejoice. Our Savior is over all. Lord, lift up each heart to believe. Heart lay hold of that great truth. Glorious Lord, thou art over all. It's 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 over all.
Lord Jesus, let us ever keep that knowledge that you're overall, all-conquering, almighty, all-powerful. You're exalted on high. Father has raised you up to sit at the right hand. You're our Savior, our Redeemer, and you're exalted on high. Lord, we believe it. We know it to be true. You're over all powers. There's no power under heaven that's not beneath thee. Thou art all conquering. Thou art all supreme. You're exalted on high. Lord, we lift our hearts to thee. We lift our voices unto thee. For you are, you are exalted on high. supreme has come to save you save you from your sins save you from yourself the one who's almighty has come to fight on your behalf to bring deliverance to bring healing he's the almighty all-powerful one everything must bow to him He's the creator. Lord Jesus, ever let us put our trust in thee. Ever let us believe thee. Let us ever see thy great supremacy. O God, never let us doubt. Thou art over all, in all, and through all. Lord, keep and bless each one. Amen.